0: Let's open together to the book of Psalms, the 23rd chapter. Uh, We're continuing in a series of messages that we've called Rock and Soul. We want to rock and soul all night and party every day. That's what we're doing in Psalm 23. And uh, we're spending six weeks in this wonderful passage of scripture. Uh, Psalm 23. The series is called Rock and Soul. And we're ma- we're making our way through it one verse at a time. So just so you know the outline, uh, if you didn't come last week, we studied verse 1 that said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We spent the whole weekend there. And we're going to be this whole week in verse 2. And if you can guess it, we'll be in uh, verse 3 next week. And you're like, where are we going to be on, on week 6? We're, we're probably going to be there. I'm not sure, but I think we're going to be on verse 6, and uh, you can read ahead if you want and kind of make your your heart kind of steeped in it before you get here each week, and that will be cool, uh, but uh, I just am so just fired up over what God's been showing me, so many fresh things in a well-traveled, well-worn passage of Scripture that is just chock full of comfort and challenge and uh, things that God wants to say to us, and I'm, I'm just thrilled over what God is going to uh, put into our lives going into summer into a brand new season. So Psalm 23, we're going to begin each week by reading it out loud. And uh, we always put the verses on the screen for anybody who is new or doesn't have a Bible or just you like reading a giant Bible. It's really up to you. Uh, But here's what it says. We'll read it together out loud, and then we'll circle back and camp out on verse 2. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, are you thankful for the 9,000 things that are amazing? I wanted to stop like 54 times and just talk about it and think about it and just apply it, but uh, we'll have time for all those different things. Today we're going to spend our time in verse 2 which is a verse that's all about sheep and sleep. Sheep and sleep. So I'm taking as my title this week, Counting People. Because that's what sheep do when they can't sleep. It was funnier than you responded. Whatever, it's fine. No, it's, it's OK. It's perfectly fine. I, mean, I got to come up with 52 of these a year. You guys just sit there and listen. It's OK. Um, but I was so excited when I had that epiphany. I was like, well, we count sheep when we can't sleep, which actually has been disproven. Sad to report. Uh, Oxford University did a study, and uh, they had three different groups of people sleeping. And they were all told to do three different things. One group of people were told to count sheep, because that's kind of like this well-traveled myth that, like, if you can't sleep, just picture one sheep after another jumping over a fence. And, and uh, so that group was doing that. And uh, the second group was told to imagine waterfalls and uh, waves crashing on a beach over and over again. And then the third group was told nothing. They were just literally sleeping in a room with people filming them, because that's not creepy. <laughs> and, uh, and they were the control, of course. So here's what's interesting about it. Uh, when the study was done, the, the, the group that was told to uh, think about waves and waterfalls, they fell asleep the fastest apparently there 's something just rhythmic about it, and apparently it 's effortless for our mind to think about waterfalls and all that and uh, I tried it while studying worked really well, but I was super tired and I had taken melatonin so it was i don 't know which was the waterfall or the but um, anyhow uh, the, the the group that, uh, that, that was the control group came in second. Um, they, the people were told to think of nothing in particular they felt oh, whatever I guess they wanted to they, they, they fell asleep second fastest and the group that thought about the little sheepies, uh, they fell asleep the the, 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 the slowest, uh, and they think it's because it's actually unnatural for our minds to think about that because that's not what sheep do in real life. You will never just be driving down the road and encounter sheep just jumping over a wall and then doing laps like that wasn't wasn't that so fun? Let's do it again. I I guess it's just it's not something that happens, so it takes more brain power for our minds to imagine it because it's it's so unrealistic, but. Sorry, it's hard to dash your dreams, um, but sheep and sleep. It comes up. I'll prove it to you. Look at, look at verse two one more time. It says, it says, he makes me. This is David the sheep speaking about his shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And this all is David's way of expounding on the theme he introduced in the first verse, which is the Lord is my shepherd. And everything that follows is David's way of making his case for why his shepherd is so amazing. He's basically bragging, like, my shepherd. Well, first of all, he's like, my shepherd is the Lord. That's huge that God who made the heavens and the earth takes care of me, and David knew full well because he was a shepherd before he was a king, and, and so he knew what it took to be a shepherd. He knew how much he had to love and serve and how he was there, and then he was amazed when he realized he had this epiphany, this revelation that God takes care of me just like I take care of my sheep, and I do everything for my sheep, and so the, what, what what lit him up was that God does everything for me, he takes care of everything I need. Sheep don't have to worry about anything. The shepherd's got everything under control, and so the, 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 the thing that, that caused him to just walk away going, what is that God is going to take care of me and you can know if the Lord is your shepherd, he's got this. He's got this. Do you know that? He's got this. What? Your life. He's got this. Your problems. He's got this. Your stress. He's got this. The Lord, the Lord is your shepherd. If he's your shepherd, you've you got nothing to worry about. You'll lack nothing. And then in the following 112 words, because there's 117 in the whole thing, he unpacks what it means to, in the first five. The Lord is my shepherd. Those five words are now enlarged upon for 112 words. And it's as though someone listening to David say, the Lord's my shepherd, it's amazing. As though someone responded, what's so great about it? He's like, did you, and he points here in this first verse to, this, to, the, to the green grass and to the still waters. And you almost kind of sense the nature of that in another version, the TEV, where it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. What's so good about that? Well, he lets me rest in green grass, fields of green grass. And he leads me to to quiet pools of fresh water. This is one of a series of things that in David's mind is so great about having God be the one to take care of you, about having God be the one to guide you about having God be the one to defend you and to look after you as opposed to any other thing in this world of which there are many choices that you could look to to be your shepherd. And we'll spend some time now unpacking this. I see a few different things we need to understand about this because the implications are if David needed these things, then so do we. Have a little list, jot it down if you want to. Number one, you need rest. This verse tells us we need rest. Why? Because sheep... They got to sleep. They, they do. Sheep cannot produce the thick wool that they're meant to, that they're grown for, if they don't get time to chew their cud. They don't get time to get everything, all the goodness, all the nutritional value, out of their food. Now, if you're not aware of the implications of cud, did a little research. Apparently, sheep lie down in shady places, and they puke and rechew their lunch. So... They have four different stomachs, and I, it's pretty gross, actually. But they pass food from one stomach to another, and they get more and more enzymes and wonderful Flintstone vitamin-type things out of the food as they do it. But if they don't get that space to relax, they cannot get everything that they're meant to get so that they can grow big and strong and produce the best lamb chops and get the wool and, and all of that. So, so they need to grow. And, and, and so do we. We, listen, we need rest. So how's that going for you? You sleeping well? The average American is not. Did you know that in the year 1910, 1910, just 100 years ago, uh, the average American slept nine hours a night? Now we're lucky if we can get seven, right? As a matter of fact, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention just recently did a study and found that one out of three Americans does not get seven hours of sleep a night. And seven is what they say is the absolute minimum. Anything less than seven, well, it's, it's actually a, a huge problem. The CDC says, if you're not getting seven hours of sleep per night, you are at higher risk for what? Obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, strokes, mental distress, heart disease, and early death. That's not a great list. Let's go to bed. What are we doing here? Let's go to sleep. Like, it's a problem. Well, why are we not sleeping well? Well, you know, it's probably uh, something to do with technology, I'd imagine. Back in the day, you know, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have light bulbs. So once once the sun was down, it was a big new Have you ever had to get about with a candle? I'd go to bed, too. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to fuss with that. That seems like a tremendous amount of work. So, of course, lighting, that is a blessing, also allows us to continue our activities even when there is no sundown. It's kind of, when you have you noticed, when you go camping, you kind of wake up with the sun. You kind of go to bed with the sun. I I guess if you live in an area, certain parts of the year, there's more and less sun. You either get a lot of sleep or not a lot of sleep. So you have to, but i All I'm saying is, obviously, some of the advances are now turning around to bite us. So I guess we could say technology has done the same thing when it comes to entertainment and all these screens. Nielsen recently just published a study that said the average American now, a day, is immersed in a screen activity for 10 hours and 39 minutes. That's per day, 10 hours and 39 minutes per day, immersed in some sort of screen activity with our phones and our tablets and our our, our our televisions, right? 10 hours and 39 minutes a day, which is up one hour from last year. Wow. It's bumped up an entire hour as a nation in just one year. So our sleeping is going down. Our consuming of media is going up. Every app wants the ability to send you notifications, which if your phone's plugged in at your bedside is gonna do nothing to help you have better rest. The point is, we need sleep. Now, this sermon isn't the anti-technology you know, sermon. It's not if you ever heard me preaching, you know, I'm not the guy saying, let's all move into a, a compound and have no electricity and, and running water. Like I am really excited for the day. Amazon delivers stuff with drones. I'm all, I think technology is amazing. We're preaching this message through Church Online. Tens of thousands of people that aren't in our rooms will be able to listen to these messages. It's amazing. I'm all about. Technology, all I'm saying is we have to make sure that the tail isn't wagging the dog. And certainly when it comes to resting, these things can uh, eventually consume us and and begin to control us. And we need rest. We need to decide and purpose that we're going to sleep. They say teenagers need 8 to 10 hours of sleep. Children uh, that are younger than teenagers need as much as 12 hours of sleep. We just need to fight for these proper rhythms to be in place, not just daily, but also weekly. Are you, are you taking a day off? Are you letting the, the rhythms of, uh, of a seven-day week Are follow, you following God's lead? Are you taking that day off? After you get that five or six days, are you are you getting that proper day off? It's easy. All of us can do it. We can justify, well, you know, just a little bit here. We can allow work to creep into. But I think it's really important to allow there to be a defined day off where you can get that pedicure and go get lost in the woods and ride your motorcycle and you can wear sweatpants to the glory of God and eat bacon. I, I just think it's so good for you. Are you allowing there to be that in your life that replenishes you? Are you doing things that, that cause you to just have fun? Are you enjoying your family? Are you taking those vacations? Those are so important. Or the staycation, oh, I can't afford a trip out. Well, then stay in. All I'm saying is there need to be, within the rhythms of our life, this example that God set for us even in creation. You do realize that it was, it was, it was no mistake that God did all of the heavy lifting of creating the world, the Bible says, in six days. And on the seventh day, he took a day off. He was modeling for us how we ought to live. And I love that Adam was made on the sixth day. And you can imagine Adam's surprise having just shown up thinking, okay, we got some work to do here, God. Let's get something done. What's, he wakes up on the seventh day like, what are we going to do today? And God's like, oh, we're taking a day off, right? I'll, I'll see you. We'll take a walk in the evening. But, and Adam's first responsibility on the earth was to rest. What message was God sending? You are not the one keeping this world spinning. I got stuff under control. You can take a day off. It sends the message to our heart that God is in control when we cease from our working and we rest and we enjoy him and we worship and we enjoy our family. And we just really let our our soul be well. You know, even even the way the Jews tell time uh, bears this out. You know, in the in the the Jewish reckoning of time, they don't start see the day starting at sunrise or at midnight as we do. They see it at sunset. The sunset marked the beginning of a brand new day. So really, in that reckoning of time, the first thing you would do every day is go to bed. You'd go to bed right away, and, and the, again, the world would keep spinning while you were sleeping, and you could wake up, I think, when you had that in your mind, a little bit with the, the weight of the world off of your shoulders. You got to rest in God. If you don't, what happens? Well, Ecclesiastes tells us, if the axe is dull, you have to use even more strength when you wield it. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. This idea of, of being a workaholic, of just going at it relentlessly, all it does is causes us to have to use more energy to keep fighting with that dull blade. I think, I think this applies spiritually as well. I think sometimes when we have a very packed schedule, and I understand, I, I understand deadlines. I understand, like, like I have every single week a deadline. I know the whole week long. It starts on Monday. The whole week long, this, this moment's coming and it doesn't ever stop coming, where I'm going to stand up in front of people, and you know, imagine how awkward this would be if I had nothing to say? I'm like, well, how are you guys doing, right? Like, like, did you have a good day? right? No. Uh, yeah, so do you hear the one about the, like, like there, there's content that that someone asked me recently, do you have a team of writers? And I was like, yeah, me, myself, and I, we all work together, my team of writers, we work together, and and, and that that's always coming, so it would be so easy for me to, to, to let that creep into time that's supposed to be downtime. But I think for your soul, on the busiest of days, it sends a message through the whole day for you to remember that God's in charge when you carve out time to be alone with him, to be still with him, to to sharpen the blade of your soul. And on a day when you have a 1,000 deadlines and you you don't have a half an hour to cram anything to say, you know what? This day is so busy, I cannot afford to go into it without first setting my soul on fire with the Holy Spirit. I want to be instantly hot all day. So I'm going to do some boiling before I even get going. I want to have something tucked up in my spirit. I want to have a, a worship song stuck in my heart. I want to have a verse on, on repeat in my head. I want to have something that keeps my heart tethered in heaven, even while my hands are busy here on Earth below. I'm telling you, you got to have the rhythms of rest because sheep need sleep. And downtime is not wasted time. And you will never be at your best if you're not getting your rest, yo. I'm telling you. So you've got you to rest. Um there's a, there's a second thing this verse is telling us, and that is this. You need food and water. You need food and water. This is basic, but it's right there in the passage, isn't it? You need food and water, and that's why the shepherd makes sure that the sheep is getting access to the green pasture. And I got, I got, to, love, I got to just admit how much I love that, by the way, that a sheep's mattress is also his food. How great would that be, right? <laughs> you like imagine just lying there, the sheep's like taking a nap and kind of wakes up, and he, oh, hey, you. Because <laughs> he, it's like a Willy Wonka wonderland. The, the thing that he sleeps on is also the thing that he eats. It's like, can you imagine if you had a, a sleeping bag made of bacon? It would just, I'm, I, let a guy dream here, people. But The message translation tells us, you've bedded me down in a lush meadow. You find me quiet pools to drink from, food and water we need to eat and we need to eat well you are what you eat so are you guarding what you're eating are you seeing food as fuel like you should or is it just the comfort eating are you not watching what i think you know we all want to enjoy food but at the same time we should be careful that we're eating things that gives us good energy we're not eating things that that we we spike for a bit and crash and you know i the other day i, I had i I had eaten something that would be a cheat meal, except it had been one of those cheat weeks. And, you know, they don't talk about that in Men's Health magazine, but I was a cheat week. It's like, they don't prescribe that, but I had had one. And I had this meal, and I was just like, my wife looking, she's like, food coma? I'm like, totally a food coma. It's like, but, and I didn't feel good. I felt good while I was eating it, but I didn't feel good after that. And I just wonder, are we thinking about Are we being conscious of the things that that we're eating, that we're putting into our body? We should. It shouldn't be everything, but it's something to think about, That that what we put in is what we're becoming. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll order well, eat a salad at lunch with chicken on it, doing really good. And then just before we're leaving, the check's been paid. We go to stand. I notice my, my daughters haven't eaten their chicken fingers and haven't eaten their French fries and haven't eaten half the corn dog and haven't eaten all these things. And I'm like, well, I, I just, you know, I've eaten, and I've, had, I've had my salad, I've had the chicken fingers, I've had the corn dog. On, on the way out, I'm just like, when I catch myself thinking, like rationalizing it, like, well, you know, I don't want it to go to waste. But in saner moments, I'll remind myself, better to waste than on your waste, yo. (laughs) But just remembering that we're going to feel uh, based on what we choose to use as fuel. It's something to think about because we need to eat carefully. And the same is true spiritually speaking. The prophet Jeremiah said this of God's word as food. He said, when I received your words, he's talking about scripture. I ate them. They filled me with joy. My heart took delight in them. Lord God, who rules over all, I belong to you. Let me ask you a question. The things that you're consuming, the novels that you're reading, the websites that you're visiting, what you're taking in, is it good food? Is it kale and spinach and whole leafy vegetables and grains? Is, is what you're reading, is what you're watching, is what you're binging on, is it a kale smoothie or is it a Big Mac wrapper in the backseat of your car to the shame that it's not the only one that's back there? And, <laughs> oh, wow, a lot of times at McDonald's this week. No, just one today and night, four of these, right? Like, is what you're taking in good fuel. It, Jeremiah said, I found your word, and I ate it, and it caused my heart to have great joy. It wasn't a sugar spike, because I'm happy to be just distracted by technology for a moment, but then emptier. They, they actually literally have linked binge-watching television with depression. Did you know that? And, and we need to understand, we can do things that feel good for a little bit, but then there's the, the entertainment coma, and then there's just that dull emptiness, and then there's that 15-second decision, we are we going to watch the next one? Oh, it already started. It's just going now. I I have no choice. I can't stop it. It surely must need to lead to the next one. And now I'm not sleeping again because of the things that I'm eating. And and Jeremiah, because he chose to eat well, the conclusion that he rose up with was, I belong to the Lord God who rules over all. Come on, somebody. The things that you're eating and taking in, if you're not rising up from, going, from, from, from them going, I belong to the Lord God overall. I'm filled with joy. I'm eating something good. I am what I eat, right? David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sometimes I think we're, we're ending up in sin because we were eating the wrong thing and it was leading us to the wrong place. It's not just food, though, it's also water. We sheep need not just food, they need water, too. Pools of cool water. So many of us don't drink enough. Did you know that? They say, studies have shown recently, that 75% of Americans don't drink enough water. That would be a lot of us. That means if, if, if you count yourself, someone beside you and two people over here, only one of you right now is drinking enough water water so we all walk around into very in varying to varying degrees uh, i see your jug of water very well done very good cheers to you we'll have a a drink together right here come on for those who have fallen pour one out for the homies okay so 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 all of us all of us have at times allowed ourselves to not have enough water or we're drinking the wrong things and drinking just all kinds of soft drinks, and drinking all kinds of things that, again, perpetuate that problem. But they say it leads to a whole bunch of health issues. Uh, Like what? Well, the most shocking to me when I was researching it this week was that it can actually lead to higher anxiety. Did you know that? You're not drinking enough water, and so University of Connecticut linked even mild dehydration with mood problems. And so I wonder if perhaps in life you're moody and, and you're just kind of in a bad mood very easily, cranky and irritable. Please don't elbow anybody. I, this is for you to be convicted about yourself. Yeah, yeah, did you hear? Did you hear that? No, no, let, let God speak to you. This is a judgment-free zone, everybody. And- and I just wonder if, if, if sometimes we're asking God to change something. Have you ever maybe been praying for something, and God's like, yeah, I, I'd love to help you with that, but it's actually just, could you drink a glass of water? Like, like, like I wonder if sometimes some of these things that, that we're we're just accepting as part of our, our life or who we are really have simple solutions. I heard someone once say, God doesn't even show up till it's impossible, right? He wants us to do everything we can do before we ask him for what he only can do, right? And I'm not saying if you get hydrated and you get your eight by eight or the half your weight in ounces a day or whatever the the newest thing is with the water consumption, uh, that you're then, everything's going to be cherry. I, but, but I'm saying, what I am saying is before we you know, get to 100 with God, we have to first get to zero with the things He's, he's told us to do and, and eating well and, and drinking well. And, and yeah, maybe maybe we're still at zero, but maybe you're at negative 17 right now. And, and once you get to zero, God can lift you up in that way. And, and so we need, to be, we need to be doing what God's told us to do and being careful that we're drinking enough and staying hydrated and staying nourished, but, but that we also would come to look to God for what He has promised to provide, and that is living water. It's in John 7. It's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. Jesus said this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Does anyone believe in me? Then just as the Scripture says, streams of living water will flow from inside him. Are you dry? Are you thirsty? Are you cranky? Okay, let's get some water in our stomachs physically, but let's also believe in Jesus and ask him to give us that water that can nourish always. Now, sheep don't just need to be led to the right water. They need to be kept from the wrong water. Sheep on their own will drink polluted water. They'll drink dirty water. They'll drink water that will hurt them. And humans do the same thing. In fact, God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, he said, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water at all. And just as sometimes we feel uh, a hunger pain and so we go eat, they say that many times the hunger pain is actually a symptom of thirst because you don't actually feel thirsty until you're one to 2% dehydrated. Thirst kicks in after you've been thirsty for a while. So all of us should be viewing drinking as, of course, some, to some degree, preventative maintenance. If you wait till you're thirsty, you are already dehydrated. But similarly, sometimes when we go eat, when you grab that bag of chips, when you grab that candy bar, when we go eat something real quick that's right there, what you're feeling is your body saying, I'm thirsty, but you eat the wrong thing. That's what Jeremiah is saying. You're craving living water for me, but you're going to a broken system. You're going to a source that cannot do anything about the thing that you need. I think sometimes it's what we do. We distract ourselves from our need from God. We look to social media to give us validation. We do a quick follower check. We do a quick look at our bank account. We look at our our portfolio. We look to things that can't give us what we're actually craving. What we're thirsty for is God. We're thirsty to know Him. We're thirsty for immortality. We're thirsty for transcendence. thirsty for relationship. We're thirsty for meaning and purpose and passion and these things that only Jesus can give us. But we're looking to be validated by these earthly standards and how we notch up on the totem pole and stand up in, in some pecking order that we've you know, conceived in our heads. We need to not look to the wrong water, but be looking to the right water and be drinking lots of good water and be eating things that are going to nourish our bodies as well as our souls. David said, my shepherd's amazing. He makes sure I get everything I need to eat. He makes sure I get everything I need to drink. And there's this. This is the third thing I see in this passage. You are being prepared. You could jot that down. You are being prepared. If you saw me, and let's say we bumped into each other, out in Salt Lake City, and I was at a gas station, and you, you saw me filling up my car with gas, and you saw me checking the air pressure on my tires, and you saw me go into the gas station, come out with two big bags of ice, and I was dumping them into a cooler in the back. And then you saw, just before I left, I raised the hood, never going to happen, and <laughs> pulled out the dipstick, don't know how to do that. I am a dipstick, I don't touch the dipstick. <laughs> I see the sticker, I go into the thing, please do the dipstick thing. And and. But, if, but let's say you saw me doing all of those things. You, you, you would be thinking, where's he going? Right? Where is he going? Seems to be k- taking a lot of care to put all of this in. Seems to be wanting to make sure the car's in good working order. He's got this gas. He's got this ice. He seems to be going somewhere. Similarly, if, if, a, if a wise sheep pays attention to his shepherd's activities, that he's making sure he's, he's actually dammed up some, 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 some moving water to make a cool pool, because sheep get freaked out by moving water. So a shepherd, will at times, if he needs them to be really concentrated on the drinking, he'll dam up the water so they're not frightened by this, by this movement. And if he sees that he's cultivated an area where there's lush, green pasture, because this was an arid climate and that did not occur naturally. If you've been to Israel, it's not just lush pastures everywhere. If it's somewhere, it's because someone di- diverted water to get there, OK? So he's gone to pained efforts to get the ice and to get the gas. And th- he's doing the dipstick thing. Like if a sheep's paying attention, he's made them lie down. He's making sure, Billy, Billy, sleep, Billy. Stop it. Billy, go to sleep, Billy. Stop, <laughs> stop shoving your brother, Billy. <laughs> he, he's really gone to a lot of effort. A wise sheep would, 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 would say this, where are we going? We're going somewhere. Listen to me. You're going somewhere. You are being prepared. It's so important that you eat well. It's so important that you drink well because you're going somewhere. Now, the sheep, right now in verse 2, all he sees is first 2. But if he was allowed to jump out of verse 2 and look a few verses ahead, he would see stuff about some scary valley with shadows and things that lurk and go bump in the night. And if he was allowed out of verse 2, he would get a little bit ahead of himself. He would get to the next section from there where there's enemies there. And he's having to eat, but there's enemies there. And the enemies want to eat too, but they don't want to eat with him. They want to eat, with him, eat him, right? They, 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 they fish are food, not friends, right? No, no, he, he would understand that the, but the little sheep is just in verse 2 being told to lie down, doesn't want to take a nap. He's being told to eat. He's thinking, I had a meal yesterday, and I had a meal the day before that. And the shepherd's thinking, we're going to be walking for days without food. You're being prepared. Understand that God, when, when wanting you to be at church regularly, gathering together with God's people, when, when he wants you to open up your, your, your Bible on your own time and each day before your meetings and before the busyness and before everything kicks in, that you're putting something to nourish your spirit. When he's wanting you to take care of yourself with the Sabbath day and, and with your family rest time and with the staycation and with the vacation and with the sleep that you're hopefully getting, he, he, you have to understand there's difficult days ahead for all of us. There's difficult times that are coming. He doesn't just know our current needs. Our shepherd knows our coming needs. And the wise in heart will lean in and train for the trials they're not yet in. Because how you do in difficulties, how you fare in crisis, how you handle the shortages and the the, the hard seasons and the sufferings of this present life has everything to do with what you were willing to do when you are in the green pastures that you make sure you avail yourself to all that's there. I think it's easy to let our gas off spiritually when times are good and then want to rush to God when times are bad, but the wise in heart will, will cling to him and rest in him and have a, a spiritual margin and have a lot laid up for the difficult days that inevitably come for us all. Amen, you receive it? All right, there's a fourth thing, and then we're going to pray and wrap this up for this week. Know this, though. Your rest and replenishment must be made possible. Your rest and replenishment must be, the key is, made possible. So I'm going to say it again, and when I get to that word made, I want you to say it with me. Your rest and replenishment must be possible. That's the key word, made. Why? Well, let's circle back to our text. David said something interesting about his rest, his food, his water. He said, he makes me to lie down. Now, if, if you're reading this, thinking about actual sheep, that should stand out to you. Why? It's impossible. Don't know if you ever tried it, but uh, sheep doesn't like to be pushed down. Like if you actually ever found a sheep, like you occurred it. You, 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 you occurred it. What does that even mean? Sometimes I forget the English thing. Uh, you, you cornered it, and you got this sheep there, and you know, you're like, eh, 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 and they twitchy little eyes. and But you get the thing. Imagine trying to shove it. You go to bed, (laughs) shove its hindquarters down. That's going to rile that thing up. It's not going to calm it down. Sheep cannot be made to lie down. But what you can do, listen, is if you're a good shepherd, you can make it possible for them to lie down. And that is actually what the text is trying to say. Just like he leads me beside the water, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. You can, if you're a shepherd, make it possible for a sheep to lie down. But they still have to choose to rest. I read that. It is all but impossible for a sheep to be willing to lie down unless four things have been taken care of. Four things. Number one, they have to be free from hunger. So there has to be some sort of food supply. They won't go to sleep with an empty belly. Number two, they uh, cannot be frightened in any way. If they fear predators, they will stay vigilant, stay alert. They're, they're not gonna lie down and sleep if they are afraid. Number three, they have to be free from bugs. If there's bugs getting at them, the shepherd needs to do something to deal with that because they're not going to rest if, there's, if they're frightened and agitated by the bugs. And lastly, and most significant perhaps, is this one. A sheep will not sleep if they're dealing with friction with other sheep. Fights within the flock. Turns out sheep are a, a bit like people. And there's conflict and there's issues and there's 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 posturing and there's rivalries and there's there's tension. And if they have that going on, if they're if they're fighting over spa, they're fighting over the female, whatever it is, they're not gonna lie down and sleep because of friction. Isn't that interesting? So maybe no sheep don't resort to counting people when they can't sleep, but Tell me this isn't the truth. Oftentimes, when we can't sleep, it's because we are counting people who we're mad at, who's lied about us, who we feel guilty when we're around because we've failed people, who we are insecure around, who we're jealous of, who we're threatened by. We count people. And here we sit unable to sleep because person after person is jumping over a fence in our mind. And we toss and we turn and we sweat and we swear lying in bed and we pace and our stomach churns because we're counting People, instead of counting on our shepherd. And that is what we must do. You gotta get over the things that bug you and you gotta get over the friction by trusting the Savior. And so I guess what I came to tell you is to drink in the living water and to feast on his word and to keep your eyes on the Savior and relax in his presence because great things happen when sheep go to sleep. And I I wish I had more time to talk to you about Genesis 2 and how God made a deep sleep fall over Adam. And when he woke up, there was Eve. So if you're single and you're, you're 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 wishing you had someone, then just rest in the shepherd. Because when the time is right, you'll wake up from your sleep and you'll find the one that you've been looking for. And if you're in a marriage and the person isn't as you wish they were right now and there's issues here, then just rest in your Savior to change your husband. Rest in your Savior to change your wife. And then as you wake up from the sleep, you'll find that they have become the one that God wants them to be. I wish I could take you to Genesis 15 and show you Adam making or Abraham making a contract with God and Abraham and God doing the old ritual in that day, which was to tear apart an animal and you spread its pieces here and here. And then you walk down the middle of them to make a covenant. And whoever fails to keep up their end of the bargain, may they end up like this torn up animal. And that just before they were walking down the things together, God made a deep sleep to fall over Abraham. And when he woke up, God had walked down the aisle all by himself saying, I won't let you mess this up. I'm not gonna let, let, let this be on you. It's gonna be on my character. It's gonna be on my righteousness. God walked between the two pieces of meat alone. He doesn't expect you to save yourself. You were in a deep sleep. And when you rest in the savior, your salvation isn't up to you, it's up to him. Oh, I wish I could take you to Genesis 28. If we could spend some time there, we talk about Jacob who thought he was all by himself. He thought he was all alone. But then the Bible says, "With a." Rock under his head he fell asleep and in his sleep he saw a ladder coming down from heaven and angels going up and down on the ladder and he woke up realizing God is in this place and I knew it not and when you rest in your Savior you don't have to ever feel like you're alone because God is always with you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you oh if I could take you to Acts chapter 10 I would talk to you about Peter who was caught up in this legalism and he thought that in his relationship with God he had to eat this and and not eat that and if he did this God was mad and if he talked to this person he'd get cooties and the Bible says God caused him to fall asleep he fell into a trance and in his trance he saw a sheet let down from heaven and in this sheet there was all kinds of animals there was bacon there was there was octopus there was calamari there was California rolls and God told him to eat it he said I can't eat it I'll get cooties that's that's bad and God said don't you ever say what I said is clean is dirty eat Peter rise eat yourself some bacon it's a kosher thing not kosher thing that's a different day that old covenant is no longer here because Jesus." Jesus has fulfilled it and I'm your righteousness. And when you have been set free, you are free from legalism and you are free from bondage and you can enjoy the life that Jesus died for you to have. I came to church to tell some people to rest in your shepherd, to rest in your savior, to be free because whom the son sets free shall be free indeed. Come on, shout if you believe it's true. Father, I thank you so much for your great grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you so much for what we find in this passage where David tells us how great it is to have the Lord as our shepherd. I pray that over every single person here. Today. I pray it over all of us. Now, if you're here at our church, every location, church online, podcast, and this message has touched you in some way. It could be as simple as you realize you just need to drink more water or fight for your bedtime, charge your phone in a different room. It could be that you need to resolve to begin each day, even the busy ones, with some scripture and some prayer. It could be that your marriage is an issue and you need to rest in Jesus inside your marriage, not run from him, but rest in him in it. Whatever it is, if there's something that God spoke to your heart, a word that he gave to you, could I ask that you would just raise up your hand, your way of telling him, I hear you, God, and I wanna walk out of this word. I wanna walk out of the power of this meal. I want to run out of it. I want to run in the strength that you're giving me. If that's you, I'm describing. Just raise your hand up for a moment. I want to pray for you. My hand is raised. God's touching my heart. God's working in our our midst here. Jesus, I thank you for everyone honest and bold to just even now acknowledge that there's such a power in that, nailing that down, admitting that. Your word says if we confess that sin, you're able to to heal us and forgive us, touch us. So do that now, Jesus, in every heart. Help us to be like David, to trust you, to, to make it possible for us to lie down, to be led beside those still waters, and may we drink and keep coming back to that fountain. You could put your hands down. I also now, as we're continuing in prayer with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to just give an opportunity and a moment in time for any of you who are here and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're religious and you've gone to church before, but you've never had an encounter with a living God. One of those moments where like the bible describes jesus knocks on the door of your heart and you open the door so he can come in the bible says that jesus died on the cross for you for your sins as he hung there on that cross he was paying the price for every wrong thing we've ever done after he died he was buried and after he was buried he rose from the dead defeating death and he is here even now through his spirit touching hearts i believe for many of you the reason you're here isn't simply because you Googled church and ended up here or a friend invited you or because you saw this link on Facebook and that's why you're watching. I believe God's spirit drew you here because he loves you and he wanted me to tell you that you can be forgiven of your sin, that you can go to heaven when you die, that you can have wholeness and peace and purpose while you live. But you must call on the name of Jesus and surrender and stop trying to do it yourself and fix it through religion, but to trust in Jesus to be your shepherd. If that's you I'm describing, I want to lead you in a prayer and then give you a moment in time where you can raise up your hand and make that decision. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, if you would like to trust Christ for salvation and forgiveness and give your heart to him, pray this prayer out loud after me. Repeat it with me. The church is going to pray it with us to show we're we're all standing with you in this decision. Say this to God. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't fix myself but I believe you can. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe you love me. Please come into my heart. Make me new. Give me new life. I give you mine. And with heads still bowed and eyes closed, in a moment, I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, I'm gonna ask that you would raise your hand up in the air if you just prayed that prayer, giving your heart to Jesus. Now, why would I do that? Because it's an act of the will. It's something with your body. It's a way to say, this is real. This is me. I made this decision. I'm choosing to, to act on it and follow through with it. If that's you I'm describing, every location, even if you're all alone in your living room, driving down your car, you prayed that prayer, giving your heart to Christ, I believe there's power in it in a moment of surrender, in a moment of saying, I, I release my life to you, God. When I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Come on, so fast you could dislocate your shoulder. I'm telling you, just just don't, don't wait around. Just, just shoot it up in the air when I get to three. Because the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. One, two, three, shoot your hands up in the air. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, God, praise God. Come on, church, you can put them down. Let's celebrate together with everyone making that decision, lots of new life in Christ.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching in the Rock and Soul series. I love that we're learning about the outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. And if at any time during this teaching you made a decision to accept Jesus, congratulations, that's the best decision that you'll ever make and we're so excited for you. Now we would love to send you a Bible in the mail and you can receive that by filling out a form by clicking the No God button on our website or you can text the word Fresh Life, all one word with no spaces to 99,000 and we'd love to get that Bible in the mail for you and if you'd like to partner with us above and beyond your tithe to your local church there's several ways that you can do that you can text the word fresh to 45777 or you can click the give button at freshlife.church or give through the fresh life app now finally if what god is doing at fresh life church has impacted you in any way we'd love to hear from you you can email your story into us by emailing story at freshlife.church or you can click No God on our website and then click the Share Your Story button and share with us that way. That's fuel for our fire and we love hearing from you. Thank you again for joining us for the Rock and Soul series.